that's pickled eggs from four years ago. Oh, that, that I maybe work on. But what I did is I made myself. I don't have any tomato juice, but I kind of made like a Bloody Mary out of like some leftover uh, pickled uh, okra juice. Okay. And some trapeze red hot sauce. Okay. And the remainder of that prime vodka from like two oh, years shit. ago. Shit. <laughs> the prime vodka from from when we first started doing this shit over Zoom. Yeah. Oh, I had no. I, I had just a little bit left, so I was like, <laughs> I, I went into the kitchen thinking I was gonna get myself a snack. Yeah, you got I a snack. I have nothing to snack on other than uh, vodka pickle juice and a pickled egg from four years ago. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. And the USA. All right, so uh, welcome back to How the West is Fucked. How the West was if you were with us last week, we were talking about the Metis people. Metis people. Uh, who uh, tend to be like, uh, what do you call it, Will? Like uh, probably like 80% French and Native American. Uh, sometimes um, English, sometimes Scots. At first, then then it becomes a little more English towards the end. But It changes, but like it's basically the, uh, the meeting up of like uh, young folks that some of them are European and they're in the fur trade and... Young folks, and some of them live there already, and motherfuckers from Europe show up, and they're just apparently so handsome, or they get sold by their family, or like, you <laughs> there know, you go. whatever. But either which way, uh, uh, enough of uh, where there was like kind of a mixing of, uh, I guess it's weird to call it cultures. East and West, but like cultures, yes, uh, where uh, became their own distinct uh, kind of. Uh, people basically and we're talking about their experience and their travails as much as we can uh for without being, being them <laughs> which is pretty much what we try to do all the time but you know and i think we left off with a, a little kid seeing his dad give a speech oh, after yes. a court hearing what was his name louis riel louis riel that's right battle royale with yeah. cheese <laughs> so uh comic sans the NPR voice. Uh, newcomers were coming to the Red River Country, though. That was in the 1850s. By 1856, there were 6,500 people there. So you're saying the newcomers were coming? Mm-hmm. All right. These newcomers were Canada first and wanted Canada British and Protestant. They wanted to annex the Northwest to Canada. Man, what a wonderland. They were called the Canada Party. The Northwest was also called Rupert's Land. Oh, yes, Rupert's Land, mm-hmm. yeah. They wanted it from the HBC. They wanted to convince the Métis that it was good to join Canada. Oh, yes. But the HBC wanted to keep on getting that sweet, sweet buffalo meat and <laughs> stuff from the Métis. Uh, you know. mm-hmm. uh, 1860s were tough on the Métis, famine, disease, and grasshoppers. 
They had to go further for Buffalo, and some returned empty-handed. We'll just eat uh, the grasshoppers. There won't be a famine. Why well, just say mm-hmm. wait till 1880 and see how many buffalo you come back with? <laughs> uh, the fisheries failed, and even rabbits disappeared. God damn it. Well, they're rabbits. You know, magician. You've seen a magician. Yeah, dude. You they know, all got they, thrown into hats. They should have. Okay, you're hunting beaver. You're making fucking beaver hats. Just pull the rabbits out of the hat. Duh. Yeah. They got to hire Tony Poltroon. They got to get Tony Poltroon in there to fucking get these rabbits back. (laughs) Yanking them out of hats left and right. Do I have have to explain everything to people that (laughs) lived in a time I didn't? God damn it. July 1st, 1867. Canada celebrated its first birthday. Happy birthday, Canada. Happy birthday, Canada. He had cake all over its face. (laughs) But few celebrated in the Red River. Yes. Uh, the Canadian party were sowing the seeds of racism, bigotry, and religious conflict, mm. uh, which can begin with building of a road. Not a wall? Nope. A road through the place. Uh, 1868, Canada began negotiations with Britain in obtaining the Northwest under the guise of a work relief project of building that road, building road from Lake of the Woods to the Red River Country. I've still never been to Lake of the Woods either. It's supposed to be one of the coldest places on earth. You should go oh. visit. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> well, what the fuck? All right, I just I had a question in my head when you said the Canada had its first birthday, right? And um I was wondering I was just saying the people that lived there for thousands of years would like disagree with you, but you know. Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying where did the word Canada come from is what my brain was telling asking me. The yep. name Canada li- likely comes from the Huron Huron Iroquois word likely. Kanata, K A N A T A, meaning village or settlement in 1535. Yes. And wow. the word, word Idaho means jewel in the fucking mountains, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Go back and listen to that episode. It's bullshit. It means nothing. Uh, two Aboriginal youths. Oh, in 1535, two Aboriginal youths told French explorer Jacques Cartier about the route to Kanata, K A N A T A. They were actually referring to the village of Stuck. Stedicona, I guess. Uh, the site of present-day Quebec. Schenectady. Sure. <laughs> Stedicona. Stedicona. Sure. Silicone. Anyways. So that road is supposed to benefit the people of Red River by a bunch of Canadians sneaking in and taking over their land. And most of the money stayed in the hands of Canadians anyway. John Schultz was the owner of a pro-Canadian newspaper in Red River. Great, great grandfather of Charles Schultz. Charlie Brown can suck a dick. <laughs> Actually, what about I, have, I have no Sergeant problem with Charles Schultz, but goddammit, Lucy's a fucking bully. You and your stupid old Beethoven! By golly, I'll show you! There! What do you think of that? Oh, Lucy Fuck. sucks. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We were talking about that the other night for some reason. That's what you miss while you've been in fucking lockdown for your fucking plague. All that Charles Schultz action. We, we, just, we decided like Lucy's needs to be canceled. <laughs> I agree. I fully I agree. Don't think, I don't think she's a real psychologist or, or whatever. No, she yeah. She's a fucking hack and like, uh, God damn it. Yeah. Hot takes. Also, congratulations, uh, Peppermint Patty and Lucy on like. 30 years of marriage, so... Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> they opened... Uh, he, John Schultz opens a store at Oak Point. 
There he paid road workers were paid with goods from that store. Oh, uh, super. Never heard that before. Actually, that's the thing is this is laying the infrastructure for what we were talking about, like company town fucking shit yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. Yeah. It's and payday. of course he charged the men. And some celery. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he charged the men more than they earned. And Schultz made no bones about letting the Metis know how much he hated him. Oh, we can't really have slavery, so what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> and the Canadian party then developed a scheme to buy nearby land. Uh, they sold liquor to the Ojibwa. Then they held a meeting after they were drunk and got them to sell their lands. Perfect time to hold a meeting. Mm-hmm. So the Métis did that to the Ojibwa? No, the uh, Canadian party. Oh, 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 sorry. Oh, I was going to say, like, what the fuck? Okay. Okay. It's still just as fucky, but like more expected, I suppose. Uh, road workers also broke into Mady houses and held dances and drinking parties. What? <laughs> just a, a survey crew like pops into your house and starts drinking yep. all your liquor and dancing on your in your front yard or yeah. in your living room. Yeah, it sounds kind of like uh, YMCA style. <laughs> Instead of like only one construction worker, it's all construction workers. <laughs> And one cop. Maybe one cop. Uh, Off duty. <laughs> Meanwhile, Louis Riel had been away. He was in Quebec and the United States. Again, his education. He arrived back in Red River July 26, 1868. He was 24. He found his people obsessed with politics. Because they're being fucked They're getting politics. fucked over. <laughs> uh, Riel wrote a letter to the paper refuting all the lies against the Métis. This kind of put him as the voice of the whole kit and caboodle of the Métis Nation there. Let me guess, the Métis were being ex- like uh, accused of like uh, drinking a green chrome and like, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Britain sells uh, Rupert's land. That's 1.5 million square miles for $1.5 million, which good is deal. a pretty good deal. Reasonable deal, yeah. Because recently the United States had Paid seven point two million for six hundred thousand square miles in Alaska. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Louisiana Purchase, but I, I suppose that hadn't happened yet. Or no, it had. Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen oh three four. Yeah. This is eighteen sixty eight. I forgot what year we were in. <laughs> I was picturing like the mid nineties, like you know, like nineteen nineties, not. <laughs> it's it's all them fucking six-year-old pickled eggs, man. They're fucking up your sense of time. Well, well, that's the thing. They're growing like, in his stomach. A lot of people no. don't know you yeah. can fucking trip your balls off and you fucking like culture those things long enough with the right kind of like ergot and like, you know. Yeah, dude, you can time travel. Well, we're working on it, bud. I don't know, just because you're trapped in your office prison, you fucking plague monkey. Yeah. We're all trapped, trapped in a prison of our own making. A flesh prison. Canada, of course, puts in his own government. The Métis had a council of Assiniboia, which was unofficial. The English Métis weren't as concerned, but the French Métis were. They heard that the Canadian party boasted they would, quote, would take up arms and drive out the half-breeds. Well, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like the French had a very tenuous hold anywhere on this continent at that point, and the English mm-hmm. did, so, yeah. I can understand why the English Métis were not that concerned. Yep. Uh, of course, they were going to fight back, though, or at least do their damn well best. 
So the Red River Resistance began July 5th, 1869. That's a good band name. That's your new bluegrass band name there, Tony. Red River Resistance? Yeah. Got me into it. Now they begin to take part in the action. French Métis and St. Vital found men from Canada's road project staking claims on their lands. The Métis ordered them off. Now they begin to send out patrols to kick Canadians off their lands, staking claims. July, they marked off their own territory. The French Métis, not including the English Métis lands. So this gets even more complicated because it could be uh, mixed and still have your alliances lie elsewhere from your other mixed friends too. So It's almost like we should like treat people like people and not what they're... <laughs> Nation. What their background is. Yeah. yeah, no shit. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Hey, are you a person? You want some land? Yeah. You got money? Yeah. Okay. And that actually, even that's kind of fucked up because whose yeah. land whose land it is anyway? Yeah. It is funny that like, uh, it's like, man, I'm really trying to be as racist as possible, but it's so hard with all yeah. these different kind of people. God <laughs> damn it. I really hate the French and I really hate Indians, but sometimes these Indians are Scottish. God damn it. <laughs> what? Wait, so I kind of also hate the Scottish. At least they're not fucking Irish. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, the Red River wouldn't officially be Canada until the end of 1869. But that didn't stop Canada from sending in people to survey the lands. Of course, the French Métis saw this as a, the survey as an attempt to take their lands, which it was. As you say, very and their land ownership the was not written down. So the young French Métis began to listen to Louis Riel and ask his advice because he was educated and he spoke English. Uh, so they asked him to talk to surveyors. They would do away with common areas, which you know basically you can have all your cattle in one area because there's only a certain amount of pasture and oh yeah, oh kind of like all that. Oh, man, Will, that sounds a lot like communism. I don't know. I don't know if you know, but... Uh, Riel and the Métis met the surveyors unarmed to drive them out. Then they found a shipment of 100 Spencer carbines. Yay! uh, 50 Peabody rifles with bayonets and 10,000 rounds of... What the fuck is a Peabody rifle? That that caught me unawares. Hmm. And 10,000 rounds of ammo. So the word of the rifles spread before they even got there. And that a new government was coming along with them, too. So the surveyors were actually military men who packed their uniforms and luggage. Oh, fuck. Okay, a Peabody's like a breech loader. Basically, it's like a break-action shotgun, only it's fucking rifle. A rifle? Yeah. Uh-huh. Nah, take the Spencer. Because that, you know, that has the uh, the magazine in the buttstock. And it's like the assault rifle at this time before they fucking came up with the Henry. So basically, the relief road crew were soldiers, and Canada was taken over, and they were going to use force. But the Métis still wanted to join Canada, but under their own terms. Which is uh, the reasonable, because they've been doing a lot for Canada. They've, they've actually helped like carve Canada into a nation under you know the HBC. Like, that's the thing, is like, the HBC is getting like fucked with by the Crown, but the problem is, like, the Crown gets most of its money from the HBC and the and the West India Company. But, like, uh, and they, you know, the, the Métis have been a part of that the whole time. Like, yeah, they should be asking for, like, uh, representation. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, uh, the Métis armed themselves and created a national committee of the Red River Métis with John Bruce as president and Louis Riel as secretary. Never trust a man with two first names. Nope. The French Métis built a barrier across the uh, River Sale to stop an armed invasion. Uh, I don't know how you do that. Uh, the rivers aren't that huge. Up well, there, you but... just like put a couple of <laughs> ropes across it and then the boat gets stuck. That's it. <laughs> They heard the government was coming. They left with armed party. The government's coming. The government's coming. But when they heard the governor, that Governor McDougal was unarmed, they stopped. Instead, they sent a letter not to enter their lands without their permission, which is reasonable. Dear sir, we request specifically that you not enter our lands without our permission. And let me guess what the pro- reply was. Fuck you. God Fuck save yourself. the queen. Fucking drive on with a heart on. Yeah. Uh, October 30th, 1869, the Métis wrote down their rules and their own tradition, not British or Canadian. It was the Red River Code. So now they had an operating government if they would uh, let them have a government. We'll find out. Well, that's not for them to decide because they're not white <laughs> enough. That's right. The Red River Code also is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, select, start. Yep. For anybody that wants to know. Unlimited lives, unlimited health. Governor McDougal was still stuck in Pembina. The Métis told him to move further south. Being outnumbered, he had to. He was kind of embarrassed. The Métis turned him into a joke. One rumor was the Canadian party was planning on taking Fort Garry from the HBC. The Métis would not let that happen, so they're kind of switching enemies now. The Métis Senate decided to to take it first and defend it, not let the Canadians have it. Well, yeah, they want to have, like, some kind of agency. Like, it's like, hey, look, motherfucker, like, our people have, like, been building up a thing. Why, why you got to have everything. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> So Andre Nault and a small force took Fort Gary, which was easy because the doors were open and there are no guards. It's also named Fort Gary. <laughs> uh, shortly after they got there, Nault saw the Canadian party men coming to capture the fort. But seeing it was already captured, they turned around. <laughs> well, that's because they were Canadian party men. So they're like, oons, 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 like a bunch of shirtless dudes wearing like Zuba pants, like in, uh, <laughs> like, uh, gold they, chains. Like, well, I was going to say more like, uh, snap light, like necklaces and shit. Bucking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Riel and his guys had successfully stopped the largest peaceful land transfer in the world at the time. Oh. Which, makes them, which now makes them an enemy. Mm-hmm. You said they stopped, right? Yep. Yeah. And why did they stop it? Because they put a rope over the river and they captured the one fort in Winnipeg. I, I, I know, but like, why might have they had interest in stopping it? Because they because hate the peace? Canadians. Yeah. So they had a dick to fuck with. Hey, I have something you want. Now we can negotiate. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so from mid-November to the end of January 1870, the citizens there in Red River Country convened repeatedly to hammer out a negotiating position. They brought together the English and the French Métis. They couldn't agree on everything, though. Prime Minister MacDonald delayed the acceptance of Rupert's land. He knew Red River was a hornet's nest. 
but he didn't bother to tell anybody that. Uh, December well, yeah, 1st. When, you're, when, you, when you're trying to sell a house, you don't be, tell people it needs to be reshingled and fucking... <laughs> you're right. Oh, and it's know, haunted. Have yeah, fun. The carpets <laughs> smell like a, a festering like dog carcass that's been in there for like eight months. And like, you know, the shower will like give you some blood. So, you know, you don't so tell people dis- that. Yeah, December 1st, 1869, McDougal snuck across the border. This is the governor that still is uh, exiled in the U.S., Read a proclamation in the middle of the night to no one, and then snuck back. <laughs> what the fuck? This is I our land well, now. <laughs> that's the way people used to do shit. Like, well, I, I did it in the name of the king, even though I did it by myself while I was whacking off behind a bush. What's the point? Like, like you, you you just don't do anything and then tell everybody that you oh, did. Okay, like, where, why, why do you have to stupid. swear on a Bible when you go to court? Yeah, that's it's, that's it, it's fucking dumb. Can you request a different <laughs> book if, you, if you're uh, good you at taking can. a stand? You absolutely can. Okay. But also, why does that matter? Like, yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna choose Hitchhiker's hey man, Guide to the Galaxy next time. It, it, it's very, impo- strange it's very important you swear on this book. You couldn't, book. Possibly, you couldn't possibly lie after you do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's never happened before. Also, if you lie, you know, you know a scorpion's going to come out of your tits and fucking, like, leeches are going to crawl out of your asshole, so don't lie. All right? Do we have an really accord? Go to hill. Like, yeah. So the Métis changed their nickname for him from Wandering Willie to Silly Wandering Willie. <laughs> oh, get rid okay. of Wandering, just so or, that, or wa- put Wandering first. Once again, Silly Willie's fantastic. Wandering Willie. <laughs> oh, look at that dick waggling this way. Oh my God, he's falling off the stage. Oh shit, it seems to have head trauma. Now he's like now he's silly in the kitchen. Willie. <laughs> yeah. he's silly Willie. Now he's so, having your French fries with his dick out. <laughs> <laughs> So McDougal's proclamation was distributed throughout Red River that he snuck across the border and read it in the middle of the night. Uh, the Métis drew up a list of their rights. Man, I'm uh, just going to walk on the Amazon campus tonight about 2 a.m. and say, I own Amazon! That, that's legally binding, right? <laughs> yep, that's, that's how that works? All right, okay. <laughs> Carve your name into the side of the building, too. Oh, yeah. Well, shit, I'll pee my name on the side of one of them. Too. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so the Métis drew up a list of rights. They demand local control, the right to override whoever Ottawa put in charge. Also local the, control, good punk rock fucking band name. Oh, yeah. The jurisdiction and authority to protect themselves against probably Canada. That sounds kind of reasonable. They demanded respect and protection for all privileges, customs, and usages which would uh, protect their land. They were to send it off to McDougal, uh, but Riel wanted a guarantee from McDougal before they let him in. Uh, the English Métis said no, and then the convention dissolved. But many men tried to persuade Riel to send a delegation to McDougal to present the Bill of Rights. Uh, they were discussing this when Colonel Dennis and the Canadian Party fucked everything into chaos. Good old Canadian Party. So Schultz convinced Colonel Dennis. We got to be just awestruck by somebody named Colonel Dennis. Colonel Dennis. Schultz convinced Colonel Dennis to capture Riel and put Schultz in control. I am doubt this, now definitely okay. We have Schultz and Dennis, so now I'm picturing Dennis the Menace with Dennis like, the Menace, Cur- <laughs> Colonel Eagles, going after like Sergeant Schultz, which the avatar for that is Charlie <laughs> Brown. Like, yeah, <laughs> fuck. It is Sunday. Also, I just saved a picture of fucking Rupert that I'm trying to send you. Prince God Rupert? Damn it. 
Yeah, well, I'm trying to show the namesake for like Rupert's land, Prince Rupert, who was like a German slash British person who is a very fancy lad. Mm. Ooh, which I think fancy would look lad. Good on her Instagram. Uh, but I forgot how to use my computer, so it's all right. <laughs> we'll do it later. The vodka's so, working. I can feel it. Yeah, <laughs> vodka's the least of my fucking worries, son. <laughs> it's the pickled Just, eggs. <laughs> Some dinosaur eggs. Uh, the French Métis took control of the newspapers and began to search private homes for Canadian Party members. The list of rights were printed and handed out, which has got to be great. Oh, K- they weren't like Kinko's hunting them down. They, they're like, are you Stephen from the Canadian Party? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Here are you, you Sarah Connor? <laughs> yeah, right. Have you seen uh, this boy? Have you seen these rights? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By December 1869, support of the Canadian Party kind of fell off, and Dennis's force dissolved. Schultz tried to keep 60 armed men in his command, but 300 Métis arrived and forced them to surrender. I like how he's opting for like trying to get 60 men, and like they uh, their resistance is 300. Mm-hmm. That should give you kind of an indicator of what like how you should probably start negotiating. But no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that though. Tonight on History's Most One-Sided Fights. Yeah, except for the problem is, (laughs) as you'll find out. Uh, But the Métis arrived and noticed something was wrong with his compound because they noticed no fires were burning. They searched around and found stashes of gunpowder everywhere and stoves and fireplaces. So if the Métis had lit a fire that day, they would have been blown up real good. Holy Uh, shit. So they tried to booby trap the shit? (laughs) Yep. Oh, so the, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, they booby trapped it, so when they come back home, they're like, oh, I'm going to light a fire and cook dinner. Kaboom, fucking place goes up. Yeah, except for, wow. like, not everybody's just some fucking asshole that's, like, working for a living. Sometimes, like, you feel like you're beset upon by stuff, and you want to be a little bit... Sp- I know I'm sounding a lot like these, like, January 6th assholes, but, like, <laughs> the problem is, no... People really had these problems in the past. Like, yeah. you can fuck off. Go do your Walmart greeter job or, like, whatever the fuck. Like, um, but, yeah, like, yeah, they, they were basically trying to get rid of these problematic, like, they're not quite white, so we can't, you know, really pull them into our open bosom of the uh, benevolent British Empire. Uh, and fucking, they're French uh, and they're Catholic on top yeah, of that, yeah. too. Oh, God, right. we... We gotta hate all that shit, and also they they deign to try to trade with the Americans or like try to not do things through our giant subsidiary company. Like, mm-hmm. how fucking dare they? Yeah, yeah. So the Métis people are like they feel like they feel like the Canadian government's out to get them because the Canadian government is out to get them. Yeah, basically, they, they, yeah. they had a strong <laughs> feeling about that, and as it turns out, they were probably pretty correct. Yeah. <laughs> So 45 uh, men, including Schultz, uh, the Canadian Party, they were taken prisoners to Fort Gary. Uh, back in Ottawa, the Prime Minister got the highest-ranking officer in the HBC, Donald Smith. Which also I never- love the fact that this is a company and they have officers. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he had never been west. He was to go to the uh, northwest to do whatever it took to settle the Métis. With bribes and money in offices, because that works on white guys. 
Or you could have just actually <laughs> dealt with them like you would do with anybody else and then probably came out into a thing, but you're just like, hey, would you like some beads in a blanket? And they're like, nah. So nah. if Smith if Smith failed, uh, Prime Minister McDonald would use force. Ooh. He said, uh, quote, should these miserable half-breeds not disband, they must be put down. Yeah, well, there, there she comes out, the full-out racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smith's plan was to bypass Riel and talk directly to the citizens of the Red River. Smith went in disguise as an HBC trader. Uh, the French Métis. <laughs> name tag? Hat. Wearing like your HBC like uh, yellow badge? Or? He's got a laminate like a lanyard. Right. Multipass. Yeah, she knows it's a multipass. Yeah. Anyway, we're in love. So the French Métis and the English Métis had now joined together. And they had Fort Gary and holding prisoners there. Still the worst name, Fort. And they, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the like Fort fucking Humperdinck would be worse, I suppose. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Or like Fort Eric Trump or something. <laughs> That's it's coming. Future. Fort Ted Cruz. <laughs> Fort Eric Prince. That's a good one. It, it was formerly called the Wind Fucking Casino, but it will be Fort Eric. <laughs> Uh, Riel had been threatening Canada by trying to join the United States. Oh, how dare they? Mm-hmm. Actually, probably right choice. Like, in the end, probably right choice. But, like... We take that as a threat, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, buddy, you're trying to fuck around? How the West was fucked will be right back. Are you lonely since your wife was captured by Apache Raiders? Well, she was probably gang raped and scalped and killed, so it's time to move on. Log into SettlersOnly.com, the Wild West most premierest dating site. There's plenty of eligible mates out there since the smallpox killed half our wagon train. You don't have to die from cholera at SettlersOnly.com. Doing uh, deconstructed white Russian, no ice, no Kahlua, just Bailey's instead of cream and vodka. Just Bailey's and vodka. That's what I have. You so. better chug it before it turns into cottage cheese, dude. Well, I just don't drink at the house, so I'm just dealing with whatever I have fucking laying around. So mm-hmm. some gunpowder, kerosene, lamp oil. Uh, Donald Smith started to divide and conquer. That was his strategy with English Protestants and the French Catholics. It's like, you got to hate each other, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, I don't feel like you guys are hating each other enough. And then he tried to get in with the other people there. Uh, and Pierre Lavelle, an influential trader, which was kind of to undermine Riel's authority. Uh, finally, Riel wanted to see Smith's trading papers. He said that he left him in Pembina. <laughs> Uh, Riel sent his brother-in-law, Richard Hardesty, and a Métis guard led by Lavelle to Pembina. Uh, <laughs> Called him on his bullshit. Oh, they're in my other mm-hmm. pants at my apartment. When also Riel Well, moved we're going to, to your apartment, dickhead. Also, Riel moved to Madrid and started playing soccer, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> then he sends out a separate party, and then two parties get in a confrontation. Lavelle convinced Riel's party to stay out of it by putting a gun to Riel's head. Very convincing. 
They got his papers and returned to Fort Gary. Hold on, Will. You said Riel's party? So Lavelle sent a party and Riel oh, sent a party. Okay, Sorry I'm, about that. Like the, well, the Zoom shit is fucking me up. I, I thought you said Riel's party kept them from like doing things to Riel by putting a gun to Riel's head. <laughs> Nobody moves. <laughs> Nobody moves when Riel gets it. I'm going to kill it. Well, it's some straight up, once again, blazing saddle shit. Like, yeah, yeah fuck. So now these two little tro- or troops are, are divided against each other. Oh, great. Smith thought he neutralized Riel. They saw an opportunity at a convention in January 19th, 1870. Over a thousand people came. Whenever I hear convention now, I cannot think of anything but Comic Con, really. <laughs> That January 6th was a convention, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yep. it, oh, it was a pleasant tourist visit. <laughs> uh, just the, you know, you get the advanced tour where you get to take a dump hand, on somebody's desk. I was going to say, well, then they hand... It, when you take the advanced tour, it's like an extra 300 bucks, but they hand you a gun when you walk in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a uh, quarter of the adult population came out to that meeting. So they had to meet outside. Smith had a plan to take over the convention. He thought he had bribed his way into control. Uh, His plan was simple. He thought he had arranged so that Riel would not be nominated for an official role. Then Smith would start giving orders, which his friend Lavelle would carry out. First indication that might not work was when Riel was named interpreter, thereby assuring Riel would be the voice of the convention. I name you interpreter. (laughs) This happened when a person uh, reneged on his promise to Smith. What Smith did know that there was a midnight intervention at the fort before the convention. They worked out a compromise, and Lavelle wouldn't do wouldn't do as Smith asked, and no one to sh- wanted a shootout at the fort. So Smith was double crossed. Oh, bastard! Well, I need to, I need to break you that down in like okay, what's your understanding of that? So Smith thought he had Lavelle on his side, but Lavelle didn't sell out to Smith. Okay, and then so Smith was then confronted by uh, Smith was then introduced as uh, but as at the commission as appointed by the Prime Minister of Canada. So basically, they outed him. Uh, he then ordered everybody to lay down their arms to take down the Mideast flag and put up a British one, and nobody did. Uh, Smith stared at Lavelle and his guard. They wouldn't move. They wouldn't help him. So Smith was left swinging in the wind. Uh, he went ahead and read his letter of appointment, a letter from the Governor General and the Queen. I'm in Afterwards, charge Lavelle, now. I don't care what the... Hundreds of you say, I'm in charge now. That's what this says. Uh, afterwards, Lavelle apologized to Riel. He gave him the gun that he had pointed at his head back in Pembina there. Oh, that's a nice, like, you know. Hey, man, you remember when I pointed this gun at your head? Would you like to have it for, like, a nice keepsake memento type? <laughs> uh, the second day, Smith read another letter that they wouldn't mess with the religious or, or any of the rights of the people. But the French Métis weren't convinced. But the English Métis were. Smith claimed kinship to Cuthbert Grant since he was related to the Grants back in Britain. Which I'm sure... (laughs) If you're named Grant, I know somebody named Grant. I'm related to him. 
but back in Britain. Mike, do you know if they're like related to like uh, you know the old ass uh, Ulysses S? Everybody named Grant is related. That's all you need to know. Okay. Well, does that apply <laughs> to you? Because I I know a lot of people with your last name too. You know. Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Now I'm gonna have to Google Grant. You fuck. <laughs> So uh, Smith left hanging in the wind there. Uh, Riel stepped in. Uh, Smith didn't have a backup plan, but Riel had one. He proposed a convention of 40, which was 20 English Métis and 20 French Métis. He drew up a list of rights, again, for submission to Ottawa. To agree to terms to enter Canada, everybody agreed to form a provisional government of Rupert's Land, and Riel was elected president. And the mood was festive. Uh, then Riel released 16 prisoners with the promise to release more. Uh, a few days later, most French... T- like, as a, like, a, like a, as like a party favor? Like, hey man, I know we're all having a good time. The mood is festive, you know, whatever. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm going to let go of like 15 guys. <laughs> and if everything seems keeps being cool, I'm going to let go of another 15 guys in like an hour and a half. Luis... Luis, you're shit-faced, man. Shut the fuck up. Calm down. So basically, Riel thought he won, which he did for a little while. Uh, the remaining prisoners released. All took an oath to not fuck with them. Because we also established that that's kind of bullshit. Except for James Farkhorson. <laughs> what? <laughs> fuck, fuck Horson? No, no. First name Fark, F-A-R-K, and then James. last name Horson. Yep. That's no. it. I'm, I'm Fark, saying fuck Horson. Fuck Horson. Fark Horson? Cool. Uh, that was Schultz, the, the newspaper, the, the Canadian party guy's father-in-law. They named him Old Depravity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no one thought it was worth the effort to make him take an oath to maintain peace because he wouldn't keep it. Wow. Uh, Schultz, had, uh, Schultz had actually escaped Fort Geary uh, a week before. And he was making plans on capturing the fort and replaced the government with Donald Smith and burned down the French Métis part of town. So oh, yeah. if it wasn't for this guy, things would be probably going okay. But February 14th, rumors were around that Schultz was raising an armed force, a force from Portage La Prairie, but they got stuck in a storm. That translates to carry your boat over the prairie. Over the prairie? <laughs> I think. I'm not going to Google yep. that. That's the extent of my French. Uh, Riel warned him to turn around or you will be captured. They pushed on through the blizzard. They took three prisoners along the way. Thomas Scott broke into a house in an unsuccessful attempt to capture and assassinate Riel. They got to the settlements. They drew up a list of demands. One was to release the prisoners that were already released. They demanded that the provisional government disband. And then John Norquay volunteered to take the letter to Riel at Fort Gary. So they're trying to uh, trying to dictate terms, even though they're not in any position to do so. When also they're dictating terms that some of which have already been met, if I'm not incorrect. Like uh, they wanted prisoners to be released that were released that were already released. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? That's when the first violence occurred. Oh. Which left John Hughes Sutherland dead. First violence, uh, also good name for something. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I like uh, a sandwich. 
and it also left Norbert Parisian almost beaten to death. Well, and on just his deathbed, his name alone in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> that's I mean that's reason enough, really. <laughs> well, give me the name again. Norbert Parisian. Yep. Yeah. See, some guy's name is like Buffalo Tongue Johnson. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna scalp you immediately. Like, also, th- your name. this guy was played by O.J. Simpson as well. I love you too, Norbert. So this kind of shocked the community because it just kind of came together a few weeks before. The French uh, Métis rallied around Riel and called in reinforcements and prepared to defend the fort. Norquay arrived with a demand list, and Riel ripped it up and sent it back with a Ooh, warning. There's fighting words. Yep, the provisional government that he was head of wanted peace, but were prepared for war also. Isn't that like a saying Metallica often like put out in the 80s? So be it. Yeah. Threaten no more. But it's like to something peace is to prepare for war. I don't know. Well, I know why I can't remember because I've been drinking snake juice and vodka <laughs> and beer and everything. Everything. Speaking of uh, are thinking of peace sells, but who's buying? Or what's the other no, one? No, fuck you, Kill, Dave killing is Killing is my business and business mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, Dave Mustaine, who calls into fucking Alex Jones. <laughs> Friends my of Alex hero. Jones. Yeah, <laughs> well. Does Dave Mustaine still practice black magic? So Schultz's group was about 160 English. It was poorly organized, though. They had no provisions, and it was winter in Manitoba. Uh, many went home after they found out the prisoners were le- released. Some wanted to get Riel, but wouldn't have enough men to attack the fort. And then Schultz abandoned his plan and left uh, for Ontario again. I like the fact that where everybody's kind of starving, but they're so pissed off that they really need to fucking attack other people over kind of more or less petty bullshit, or it's actually kind of like contract-related bullshit. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's pretty lame and boring reasons to fucking war. You know what I mean? Well, it's the thing is like, you know, okay, we have the Mentis people that like, um, you know, born of, yeah, there's, okay, Europeans showed up and like there's a but, you know, made their own culture and shit like that. But we have the HBC. It's a giant-ass fucking company. Like, God damn it, we're selling beavers. Like, God just said, just slaughtering bees, which is not what that actually means. But, you know, it's just like trying to enforce shit, like, on people that have already lived there for generations mm-hmm. and are trying to do their own shit. And just like, well, now we do this, that. Whoa, fuck, you didn't show up. And you, uh, you know, and all you have to do is like, hey, man, like, okay, how can we work this out? Instead, it's like, I'm going to tell you what to fucking do. And if you don't, we're going to resort to violence, which, yeah. of course, in the first episodes, like, they showed up with pop guns and fucking, like, super soakers and shit, and they got wasted. Yep. It, it could just, it, it could always be so much more casual than that, you know? And, very, but very yet, much could but, be. But yet, never happens. Never mm-hmm. happens. So the party goes back home. That included Thomas Scott, who broke into the house to capture Riel and had beaten Parisian. He had 48 men. They were on their way back. They passed close to Fort Gary. The adjutant general, the Métis there, didn't like the it's idea of armed men. Adjutant. 
Well, I don't like to say that word out loud. What's an adjutant general? Not the real general. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't like the idea of armed men coming so close to the fort, so he captured them and took them into the fort as prisoners. So the Red River resistance would last 416 days. Three people died. Uh, Sutherland, Parisian, and Thomas Scott. Sutherland's was a tragic accident, regretted by everyone. Uh, Scott was tied to the deaths of the other two. Wait. Okay, you said a tragic accident regarded by everyone, but you don't tell us what that accident is. What the I'm fuck? getting to it. Hopefully I am anyway. <laughs> well, no, you don't say that and just skip it over for like five minutes. Like he, po- he, pooped his, he pooped his pants in front of everybody and died of embarrassment. God damn it. I'm a, right. I think I'm about to explain it. If not, I'm fucked. <laughs> you and your fucking notes. You got to do I'm, shit like I do, like... Uh, like, think first, think never. <laughs> but also think always. Eagle Claw. Is that song lyrics? Think first, think never, but also think it and always. Thomas Scott was an asshole, if I remember right. He captured Parisian on February 15, 1870. Uh, Parisian escaped and stole a gun. So he was hiding in the bushes. When Sutherland galloped by... He wasn't already provided with a gun from the prison cell he was in, because... <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. Uh, he was fearing captured and fired twice and hit Sutherland. Sutherland knew it was an accident and asked for mercy to be taken on Parisian. But Scott was already beating, beating Parisian with a club. Oh, good. Using Parisian's sash, he drug him behind his horse over the ice by the neck. Ooh. So cooler heads prevented Scott from lynching Parisian, but he left Parisian to die slowly. Oh, that's excellent. What the fuck? But no one knew whose side Parisian was actually on. Uh, Riel thought he was on Schultz's side, but he was a Métis and died of his wounds April 6, 1870. Then shortly after, Scott was captured by uh, Le Pen, the adjutant general. Scott was an obnoxious bully boy. I wrote that down. (laughs) Uh, Scott was the obnoxious bully boy. His character did not improve in prison. He taunted and kicked the guards. Uh, Riel tried several times to calm him down, but Scott said he would not be satisfied until he walked in Riel's blood. Scott was one of the remaining leaders of the Canadian party there, and Scott was inciting the other members there in prison to violence. So the fort was not a prison. It was a large wooden building, and security was difficult to maintain. And there were plenty of other escapes, like we said before. Well, as you say, you know, Will, I'm I'm shocked to find out the fort didn't have a prison because because all this time we've been doing this podcast, like <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned is detention facilities in this era. We're just some watertight, like, I mean, just straight up, like, you might as well have, like, prisoners floating in a satellite in the stratosphere. <laughs> They're never getting you out. Know, the, the, the probability of escape or any kind of, like, stuff, like, it, it's that kind of probability. I mean, like, just, just, they were the creme de la creme. Like, uh, modern prison facilities cannot hope to keep up with the prison facilities of the 1800s. Like, it's just not a possibility. So you're telling me that this one is substandard? Mm-hmm. Sorry to say. 
at Fort <laughs> Gary. If this is the first time you're listening to this show, you go back and listen to any other episode. <laughs> Bo is being very facetious. So uh, the guards believed uh, Scott needed to be killed so he didn't start up a new war. And then they handed him a shotgun and said, boy," and also a sandwich. Uh, not quite, but the guards drug Scout into the courtyard and started beating him. Oh, well, but, hey, whoa, fuck. This almost but, sounds like a defective prison. Uh, but people stepped in and stopped it. Oh, uh, there we go. There, that's the, yeah. The guards thought this was a mistake and pressed Riel hard. They demanded they send Scout to the war council for judgment. Did they but, press Riel real hard? Yep. Basically, Riel's men were independent volunteers that didn't follow him blindly like other people. So Riel was forced to concede to the guards' demands, but he would deliver justice in the manner of government and hold a trial. They used the Métis Law of the Prairie. Ooh. They voted him guilty, and the majority of the council voted for death. Oh, shit. Scott was executed the next day by firing squad. Oh, shit. Uh, after the Métis refused to hand over the body, a wooden box was buried at Fort Gary, but later it was exhumed it was empty, and nobody would say what happened to the body, and the search of the body continued until the mid-20th century. Whoa! So this guy kind of, short story, becomes a martyr for, for the Canadian cause. But also, like, Tony, you're always trying to find that, like, uh, Spanish gold and, like, smuggled Oh, the treasure, yeah. Today. Why don't we go find that guy? <laughs> I could sell him back to Canada for a fuckload of money. So two delegates from the Métis went to Ottawa to take their list of rights to the government, again with that list of rights, so they, they keep trying that over and over. Uh, Schultz had them arrested twice. They were released. Uh, the delegates began to negotiate April 25th, 1870. Uh, all the while, the Canadian government were preparing a force to go to the Red River, uh, the government promised three things. The Métis land distribution would be supervised by the local legislator. Uh, the legislation would ensure these lands would still be held by Métis, and amnesty would be given. They would receive 1.4 million acres. Wait, what do you mean amnesty? That, that sounds weird. Like uh, Even though they're the ones mostly getting attacked for fighting back. <laughs> oh, they, they, they get to defend themselves is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The short right. of it, anyway. All right. They agreed. Basically, it was take it or leave it, and the Canadians would be marching an army there anyway. The Métis were persuaded by the promise of 1.4 million acres, so the provisional government accepted the bill May 12, 1870. This became the Manitoba Act. I thought th I thought that was like uh, putting one in the butthole and then uh, pouring <laughs> the maple syrup. No. no, no, that's the Manitoba <laughs> Maneuver. Oh, shit. <laughs> the army was sent, and many of them promised to get revenge for Thomas Scott, the big bully boy. Bully boy. Many wanted to attack him, but Riel kept them in check. At this point, Riel didn't know that Canada would be gut the Manitoba Act and leave them almost none of the 1.4 million acres they promised. Riel sent most of his men home and declined additional help. So this is what you get for being a good person, too. Like, fucked? Because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, Riel waited for the lieutenant gumber. Don't gumber. say that. Like, be a good person. Don't seal Tony's Catholic converter. <laughs> don't be a racist. And don't, like, beat your children. If don't you kick steal, your dog. If you steal my Catholic converter, you're a racist. 
No, I'm just saying why like, child, like, a child beating you, dog kicker. Well, Will said that's what you get for being a good person. It's like, mm. <laughs> no, I don't believe in that. I mean, I believe that that has happened in the past, but I'm not trying to be a fatalist, I suppose. A philatelist? No, mm. fuck that. Isn't that a stamp collector? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full-on rapist. Africans, dyslexics, children, that sort of thing. I'm sorry. Did you say you're a full-on rapist? So Riel was waiting for the Lieutenant Gumber and a peaceful turnover, but all he got was the army. Uh, Riel was warned that the army's real intention was to imprison him, so he left and fled south. And he's probably not wrong. Schultz wanted to raise an army. He claimed his finances were wiped out by the Metis, which is basically right for going all all these goose chases. Right. Well, if you hadn't been on the goose chases, you might have had some of your finances, yeah? Mm. Mm-hmm. Schultz wanted the head of Riel and made a saint out of Thomas Scott, the big bully boy. boy. I made a vendetta after chasing after these people and fucking them over, and I lost mm. my ass on it. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> he carried a small bottle, bottle, which he said contained a vial of Scott's blood. Ooh, Scott's, it, it, did that turn into a, like, Highlander? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what the fuck is that? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, diddly, 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 like episode two when we have the uh, Scottishmen like try to like tell the uh, the people of the mouth of the uh, Columbia that he had like uh, smallpox or whatever in a vial, which he did. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody move! I got a vial of yeah. smallpox. I'll fucking use this thing. Don't make me do this. Yeah, yeah. Also, let me marry your daughter. <laughs> uh, Schultz found his army in the Orange Lodges of Ontario. Orange Lodges? That's where they grew all the were... indoor oranges. Well, I was just saying, like, I mean, Ontario, I know, is like, you know, Ontario is known for its oranges, like huge citrus fucking. Yeah, it's the province. Florida of Canada. Yeah, th- that's what I've always said, you know. <laughs> Minus the dolphins. They, they happen to be landlocked, so that sucks for mm-hmm. them. But otherwise. Exactly like Florida. Mm-hmm. They got the freshwater sea cows, though. Oh, Maje- yeah. Just fucking yeah. majestic. I mean, have you ever tasted, like, freshwater sea cow milk? <laughs> oh, have I? Uh, Stellar sea cow. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it was like the Lions uh, or Elks Lodge, but it was a society known for its penchant for violence and secrecy. Awesome. So it's Fight Club. Yep. Yeah, totally. They viewed Catholics and French as disloyal and culturally inferior. Yeah, you motherfuckers. About a third of all Protestant men in Canada were members of it. Oh, yeah. So. (laughs) Doesn't sound gross at all. So two-thirds of the 1,051 soldiers were from Orange Lodges, and they freely admitted that they were there to avenge the death of Scott. But sending troops at that time didn't make practical sense. It was expensive, and there was actually peace in the Red River at the time. And they couldn't capture Riel and others that fled to the U.S. But they went ahead on a two-and-a-half-year rampage up there. What do you mean, rampage? Uh, We'll find out. They blew on their thumbs and grew to incredible size and tore down buildings. One was dressed like a, a wolf, and the other was dressed like a giant lizard. Yep. And that's the rampage I know and love. That's the rampage.
Not that fucking Dwayne the Rock Johnson horse shit. No. That well, movie sucked. Uh, I know. It was fine. Got, it was a fine throw. I got a little movie, bit of pleasure out of it. I it was know. okay, but I don't know. I'm not into that kind of would've movie. It would have been better, it been better if there was... It would have been better if there wasn't really a plot, if they would have just stuck to what the game was about. Yeah, but, well, that thing is, the game was about, like, kaiju. Yeah, basically. That's literally all it is. And then an 8-bit, like, woman, when you, like, uh, like Lizzie or Ralph or, like, George, like, pops yeah. out the thing. The 8-bit woman in the shower, that's, like... That thing is, pixel art. Like, they were tiny humans, mm-hmm. but it's... That lady, like, with the... Towel was still kind of sexy though. Yeah, she was smoking even, hot. Even though she, even though she's like tiny, 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 like probably like it's called like twenty pixels high. And like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. What, welcome, hey, welcome your, back to the My First Erection podcast. What, what's your, what's your dimensions, baby? Yeah, eight pixels by twenty by pixels like, by like six pixels <laughs> by like ten pixels. <laughs> <laughs> There are 10,000 people in the Red River country now. 8,000 were Métis. They are kind of evenly split between English and the French. You know what's fun, Will? Is right now there's probably about 10,000 people in the Red River country. Yep. August 24th, 1870, the first uh, of the volunteers, quote-unquote army volunteers, enter the Red River. Lieutenant Governor Archibald arrived September 3rd, and Schultz came back September 6th. On the first day, they captured Fort Gary. "Quote unquote captured because there was nobody there." Like walked into and yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I own well, this. We say the guy's name is like Archibald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing good comes from that. Like <laughs> that's the name of a dickhead. Like, okay, both of you tell me one good Archibald you know. None. Right. Yep. I can't think of one. Also, tell me an Archibald you know. Yeah, Archie from the Archie Bunker comics. That's about it. There you go. Archie Bunker comics? Or, sorry, I mixed up two different things. Wow. <laughs> Oops. Holy wow. shit. You just invented something. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Awesome. Yeah, you're now time warping, my friend. <laughs> I think I'm getting, I'm getting a contact drunk through Zoom off of you. Fuck off. It's a snake juice, man. It's Digital ghosts. So basically, there was the fighting in the streets. The volunteers would become more violent and begin to raid Metis homes. Uh, they even took over the newspaper and whipped its editor, which is always a good press. Now, that's the thing is, when you're uh, an army trying to uh, do your like political point, you should always like break into the homes of people and take their shit. And also try to destroy the free press. That's that's the thing you should always try to do. Instills trust in the population. Yes, it, it, absolutely. Like um, they're just gonna be like, oh yes, these people are like totally trustworthy and like I endorse everything they're trying to be about. So the members of the provisional government and friends to Riel were the targets. Elzar Goulet was the first Metis man killed by the expeditionary force. Well, I thought that was guy that taught Batman how to be Batman. Close. Oh, that's Ross Al Ghul. Al Ghul. Oh, right, not, yeah. not Robert Goulet or whatever the fuck this guy's name is. <laughs> also a different, but... I don't care what you think, Drummond. You're not going to talk your way out of this one. Uh, he had served in the provisional government and served on the Scott trial. It was Schultz's father-in-law, James Farquharson. 
Once again, the fuck horse. Oh, unfortunate name. He, with three members of the army, were responsible for his death. They chased Goulet into the river and pelted him with rocks until he sank. And no one was ever charged for the murder. Holy Man, shit. I'm pretty happy in my time in the army. We never got trained to pelt people with rocks. So men were assaulted if they spoke out or voted in any way Schultz didn't like. Frederick Byrd, a member of Manitoba's first legislative assembly, was kicked and thrown into the mud because he voted in a way they didn't approve. Reverend James Tanner was killed after leaving a political meeting. James Ross was attacked moments later with clubs and sto- stones and snowballs because this is Canada. <laughs> snowballs. Well. Excellent. So nobody was getting punished for this. January 1871, soldiers murdered another member of the provisional government, Bob O'Lone. Maybe I misspelled that, but I wrote Bob O'Lone. <laughs> Bob, like Bob alone? Yeah. But with an O. Like, uh, uh, does it have an apostrophe or? Yep. <laughs> I so don't know what I. Bob <laughs> They also killed uh, Francois Guillemet the man who fired the final shot to Thomas Scott. By accident, Riel overheard men in Pembina discussing a plan on executing him while he was sitting right beside him. So they were able to evade him. Andre Nault was not as lucky. He was attacked by 15 soldiers attempting to run across the border. He was bayoneted and left for dead. Nault recovered, but no one was charged again. So it's not uh, not easy being a Métis at this time. Uh, dude, you were, you were right. The Red River Saloon was owned by Bob O'Lone, O apostrophe L O N E. So he was like the saloon, the innkeeper. So it's alone, but it's like Irish alone. Yeah, of the loan is what it would okay. translate to. Uh, papers regularly described fights between the Métis and the soldiers. Spring of 1871, the hunters came back from the plains, and the Métis numbers increased. Violence also increased because the soldiers' contracts were up. And we're free from whatever little restraint they had underneath the the laws of the government. So they're they're nice enough to stay longer past their enlistment just to kill people. Well, are these like Canuck soldiers or are these fucking American soldiers? They're Canadian soldiers. Yeah. Well, see, that's the difference is like they had like contracts that could, yeah. Women were also vulnerable too. Uh, rape was did a lot. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> that was a fantastic sentence, by the way. Lorette Goulet, the 17-year-old daughter of Elzar Goulet, uh, was raped. The commander was notified who did it, and he responded by saying it was none of his business. What the fuck? Wow. June 1871, the United States Consul James Wicks Taylor was attacked by soldiers. It was reported back in the U.S. The violence united all the Métis against the or- originists. The Canadian party also put a $1,000 bounty on Riel's head. Basically, Canada ignored the reign of terror in the Red River. 2018, Canada announced the Red River Expedition of 1870 would be honored by a new National Historic Designation. So they're, they're way behind times, too. So they, they probably rescinded that after people got pissed off. But Yeah. What the, what the absolute fuck? All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. But through all this, the Métis still remained loyal to Canada. Manitoba faced invasion by the Finians in the fall of 1871. In the end, they were probably kind of right, but, like, we're not done here, so, yeah. So the Finians were based in the United States. Uh, They were an Irish Republican organization trying to pressure Britain 
to withdraw from Ireland by attacking British targets in Canada. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's once again a population that's getting fucked with by pretty much their overlords. And like, oh, you're not as good as these people. Like, you know, yeah. So it's kind of like, why would people ever want to rebel or break away or <laughs> do any kind of thing? <laughs> One of Riel's advisors was William O'Donohue, who is suspected of being a Finian. After the resistance, they went their separate ways. But late in 1871, O'Donohue reappear- reappeared in the U.S. as one of the leaders of Finians threatening to invade Manitoba. But the Metis had no communication with O'Donohue. But by October, O'Donohue contacted them and they met in Pembina. So this makes it even more complicated. But uh, the Métis voted to remain with Manitoba. O'Donohue did take Pembina, but the Americans took it back the same day. <laughs> that was quick. O'Donohue <laughs> fled into Canada, but was captured by two Métis and turned over to the Americans. Hey, man, we have this fort. Yeah, man, we have this fucking fort. Well, you know, there's two of us and four of you. So we're going to take the fort. Is that okay? Oh, sure, I guess. So, despite a warrant for his arrest and a price on his head, Riel ran for parliament in 1872. <laughs> <laughs> the reign of terror was pretty much over, but there was still a price on his head, and he won re-election in 1873 <laughs> after his opponent died. But he didn't take a seat in parliament. He was still wanted, so he didn't actually go yet. No publi- There's no such thing as bad publicity, I guess. <laughs> also, well, before we get too far down the road like i want to point out like uh the finians were kind of like a precursor to the ira but you didn't say that so oh i needed to so okay yeah february 1874 he wanted a second time this time he was sent to ottawa in disguise and take the oath office basically he signed in the register when the clerk saw it was him uh he was horrified but he couldn't do anything and then Riel was whisked away to Montreal, and Parliament was outraged. September 1874, Riel, Riel was voted in again, but this it was still too dangerous for him to serve. So he keeps getting elected anyway. What the fuck? He keeps getting elected, and then when he shows up to to fill up fill out the paperwork, they're like Riel, what the fuck? And then like yeah, then he has to run away. September 17th, 1873, Ambrose Le Pen was arrested. Francis Cornish was behind the arrest. He was an orange lawyer, a drunk and a bigot, who was with Schultz and the Canadian Party. He also tried several... Hey, wait, 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 go back. What do you mean, orange lawyer? Orange, like the lodges, like the, yep. the where the military guys were hanging out. It's like we were saying, it's the... Uh, uh, it, it's like the, the Moose Lodge or Elks Lodge or whatever, but it's Orange gotcha. Lodge. When gotcha. you When you said a drunk and a bigot and an orange lawyer, it just made me think of Rudy Giuliani. The lawyer yeah. to the or- lawyer to the orange, <laughs> drunk and a bigot. True, true, true story. <laughs> what are you from? She's fifteen. She too old for you. you She's she, my daughter. Please take me instead. Take my anus. No, no, take my anus. He tried several times to break into Riel's home to arrest him and harass his mother, which they would do over the years. Harass his mother? Come on, man. They found Le Pen guilty and sentenced him to hang. A legislator called for a pardon, though, but the court commuted it to two years in prison and forfeiture of political rights. So that's what you get for being 
a nice member guy. of the government if you're <laughs> a Matisse. After that trial, November 1874, uh, Andre Nault and Elzar Legmudir were tried for the murder of Thomas Scott. It was a mistrial. Parliament finally passed a motion for full amnesty for Riel and Le Pen in February 1875. The price was five years' banishment from the country, so Riel accepts. Penn refused and served out his two-year sentence. Meanwhile, the Canadian government kept delaying the title claims of the Métis and their children after the Manitoba Act of 1870. Basically, they were waiting for more settlers from Ontario to come and claim the lands. The first batch to arrive was the spring of 1871. The Métis applied for lots next to each other and family members, but the government said it would be claimed by lottery, so they might be 100 miles apart. It uh, began in 1873. It should have taken about 100 hours of work to pick it, but it took seven years. Meanwhile, Ontario immigrants were pouring in and were allowed to claim any vacant land and squatted. And never mind the fact that like your people have been there for like hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Schultz and Donald Smith were some of the biggest land speculators, along with the Chief Justice of the Manitoba Court and his sons. Most Metis stayed for five years trying to get their lands. They were promised. But after that, they began to leave. Many moved out into the plains. They would winter at Wood Mountain, Cypress Hills, or other wintering sites. Yeah. In Saskatchewan. Please don't say Cypress Hill. (laughs) Now, now, obligatory after you jump around. Wrong song, but yeah, I I feel you. Yeah, wrong people. Yeah. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? So basically, they're forcing them west into Saskatchewan, Alberta, or Montana. Uh, some went north to the boreal forest, where the wolverines run wild. But also there's trees. Some went to the Lake of the Woods to Rainy Lake. Uh, many went to the South Saskatchewan River. That was the first wave of about a thousand people. Kind of each wave grew larger. The largest from 1881 to 1884. Out there in the West, the HBC was still in charge, which was the only source of goods, jobs, and money. But the HBC was a new beast. Uh, along with fur trading, they're now into real estate and selling you shit. Oh, man. Where have I heard about this? Like, what the fuck? Uh, Lawrence Clark was the new chief factor of the HBC in the area. He was a bit two-faced, though. He said it was okay to settle there. Shocking. I thought he would be like a icon of benevolence and awesomeness. And he paid him in goods from the store, which were marked up about a thousand percent. Oh, yeah. Shocking. <laughs> uh, the HBC was still the law and forbade the Metis for making their own laws and let their own hunters go ahead and plan the Metis hunt. The end of the buffalo came in the early 1880s. The Métis went picking up bones to survive and selling them well, until 1893. Well, why, why would that have happened? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Referred to some of early episodes. Gabriel Dumont fought at the Battle of Grand Couteau in 1851 and was elected chief of the hunt. So he hoped to unite the Métis with the First Nations to avoid war. That was coming again. This was called the Northwest Resistance. These were separate wars, though. Just to make things even more complicated. 1874, the federal government reserved whole townships for colonization. The scheme didn't work. There was not enough settlers to buy the land. By 1877, none of these lands were settled. 
But in 1882, McDonald's started the scheme again, granting 10 million acres to the companies. They went to political cronies and friends. They wanted to build a railroad route. Metis families trying to make land claims found their land now belonged to a colonization company, uh, which was the single most important factor in the coming war. So there's another war coming. You got another war coming. (laughs) Clark, the HBC man, cut the wages of the freighters. Another blow to the Métis, which along with the loss of the buffalo and crop failures. Now the government was taking their lands they just moved to since being kicked out of the Red River. We're about to fuck you on your workers' rights. We're also about to fuck you on your job. We're also going to fuck you. We're going to fuck you so hard from so many directions you would not know what's happening. So now the Métis had to settle on squares like good little white people. But their tradition was to settle along the river, live along there, have their gardens with a common area behind them for grazing. And then behind that, probably woods for some cutting. The Métis were only allowed to settle on even number squares, so they couldn't hoard land. And it couldn't be on the ones that were set aside for the HPC, schools, roads, or railway. This was imposed after they were settled, and it didn't matter. So they would just kick them off again. There was no land office to register their titles anyway. Once again, the Métis were seen as mere users of land and not settlers or proper owners. Well, yeah, because if you're not fucking uh, extracting every proper, like, resource and, like, like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you, like, live around there forever and were able to, like, live on the land. As long as you're not making me money, right? you yeah. don't actually exist. So. They're, they're not cutting every single tree down and murdering every passenger pigeon and fucking yeah. panning for gold in the river. Well, and also, they're like, how, right. dare, how dare they sell buffalo meat to other people, not the corporation? Mm-hmm. How dare they? How, mm-hmm. at long last, how dare they? Mm-hmm. So the Métis would petition the government again and again and again and again. But the government didn't bother to respond. 1878 was called the Black Winter because there was no snow. And the warm temps brought drought and caused fires. And it drove the buffalo into the Cypress Hills. So the people followed them. Are they insane? In the membrane, yep. Even their traditional enemies, uh, the Blackfoot and the Cree and the Cinnaboyne, and the Jibwa and the Métis were all competing for the buffalo. Everyone's a buffalo. Mm-hmm. And American professional buffalo hunters were wiping off the buffalo in America. So the Sioux were venturing further north and north. During the winter of 1878, the Iron Alliance, which was, uh, I think, uh, the Cree and the Jibwa. Tony Stark and, like, War Machine and... Uh... And World War One Germany. Right. So they actually asked for a reservation for themselves along with the Métis. By 1880, Canada had worked itself into an agitated state. They asked for reservations? Hold, hold on. Like, go back on my take. They yep, asked they asked for, for reservations. reservations so they wouldn't be fucked, over, fucked out of their land again. Oh, so they wanted, <laughs> uh, they wanted it in writing that, like, look, this is your land. Do what you will with it, blah, blah, blah. It, mm-hmm. Instead of getting kicked off of each piece of land, they fucking settle. Yeah, they feared the Métis the most, and Riel was evil. Yeah, because, like, Métis, like, a lot of their kids, like, actually went to, like, I'm I'm going to say it, I hate saying it, but they went to white people's school, you know, so sometimes they'd come back and, like, uh, have an understanding of, like, these kind of laws that they're going to be imposed upon, you know, 
Whereas, like, um, you know, if you're, like, a Lakota kid, like, you're, you're not doing that. Well, you are later, forcibly, but, like, you know, everything sucks, and I hate people. <laughs> That's all right. 1883-84, there are crop failures through the Northwest. That Northwest, not this Northwest. Yeah, the mid-Northwest. Basically, everybody was starving. Uh, the yeah. Mounties. Back when they could get this Northwest. The Mounties and the Métis tried to feed the Cree, Ojibwa, and Blackfoot. The First Nations people were getting less food from the government than prisoners in Siberia. Good God. Basically. <laughs> McDonald, still the prime minister, his answer was to send in police. Gabriel Dumont was a leader but had limited government experience. So he asked Louis Riel to help. He was living in Montana. Dumont and others left May 18th, 1884 to Montana to uh, convince them to go back and lead him again. Uh, Riel had a teaching job in Montana and wife and young children. He wasn't convinced to go back because he would be killed if he did. But Riel answered the call. Uh, June 10th, he arrived in Saskatchewan. He drafted petitions and gave speeches. They made another Bill of Rights. Again, met with silence. The Métis venerated Riel and listened to his urgings of peace and patience. But the younger Métis were getting more insistent and harder to control. The Canadian government tried to bribe Riel, first with the position of the Northwest Council, then with a seat in the Senate. When that failed, they offered him cash, maybe as much as $100,000. Riel was certainly poor. In those days, that's a huge amount of fucking dollars. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he didn't have a job when he moved back to Saskatchewan. Riel continued to promote peace and patience. Despite this, the police surveillance increased. And number of police were increased also. So you got a bunch of Mounties running around. Uh, March 1885, after 84 petitions went unanswered, uh, the Métis issued a 10-point Revolutionary Bill of Rights. Clark returned from Ottawa and said the government would only be sending them bullets in answer of their petitions. That's nice of them. Not not one at a time shot from a rifle, not, not once you can use. MacDonald was sending armed men to take Riel and Dumont. The Métis voted to resist, but Riel was not a soldier. And he realized the Métis would be better off if he left. But the Métis didn't want him to go. Riel and Dumont knew that there'd be no way to win this fight. Dumont asked him three times if he wanted to take up arms. And the people said, yep. So the Métis proclaimed a provisional government again and appointed a council of 15. Dumont was made general. But Clark was lying. There was no police coming. Priests forbade the revolution, though, which kind of took the people who were going to church out of the equation. But basically, there's three Metis battles in the Northwest Resistance. Uh, The first was at Duck Lake, March 25th and 26th, 1885. It began as an accident. Dumont and Riel went to Duck Lake to confiscate guns and ammo from the store. The Mounties sent a small party to do the same. Dumont intercepted the Mounties before they got to Duck Lake. They shouted at each other at first, till Dumont knocked down a Mountie. The Mounties retreated to Fort Carlton. This is a very Canadian fight here. Well, you know. <laughs> but the next morning, the Mounties come back with more men and a cannon. Well, yeah. Hey, hey, boy. You see we brought a cannon? You're going to fuck around? You want Yeah, yeah. You want to give them the guns? The Métis had some reinforcement and some Cree with force up to 300. The Mounties had about 100. They got caught in Dumont's ambush. 
They were taking heavy crossfire. The Mounties retreated. The snow slowed them down, and the Métis picked them off as they fled. Dumont was grazed on the head by a bullet and was taken out of action. He wanted to pursue the Mounties and kill them, but Riel ordered them to stop. Another mistake, which shouldn't be nice again. Well, thing is, in snow, pursuing an enemy can be costly. Eat them sticks of butter. Métis lost five men and three wounded. Riel and Le Pen were the only armed with crucifixes in the fight. They just encouraged the fighters. Neither were hit. They kind of seemed invincible. Okay, so that's some elk showing shit right there. Mm-hmm. So they just sharpen the bottom of the crucifix and they're shanking motherfuckers <laughs> left and right? Right. Uh, next battle was April 24th, 1885 at Tunard's Cooley. Uh, General Frederick. Wait, hey, wait. Say Tunard's again. Oh, Tourand, sorry. Tourand. Tourand. Tunard's. I heard, I heard two notes. <laughs> yeah. General Frederick Middleton brought the militia. So now it wasn't just Metis versus the Mounties. They were volunteers and not great fighters. Also, Mounties were pretty new at that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. They heard rumors that the Mounties were going back to attack Patoche, which was a town, I guess. Riel and Dumont split forces. Riel rode back to Batouche with 50 men. Dumont sent up another ambush, placed 200 Metis in a coulee and waited for Middleton's men. But some of Middleton's scouts found the trap and Dumont lost the element of surprise. Uh, the shooting began at 9 a.m. Dumont sent prior uh, fire to the prairie to smoke Middleton out, but the wind put, out, put it out. Middleton kept trying to advance, but the Metis held him off all day. Wait, the wind put it out? That's <laughs> yep. crazy. Whatever. Uh, Riel finally sent reinforcements. They led a cavalry charge that forced Middleton and his troops to leave. It was over, and the Metis had uh, seven bullets left. Two Metis died in the battle. Two others died days later. So for decades later, Canada claimed this as a victory and put up a plaque on the site. The Metis searched the battlefield for bullets, so they collected 32 rifles, and they head back to Batoche. Elsewhere, the Cree were starving to death. They raided HBC stores at Frog Lake, Fort Pitt, and Cold Lake, Battleford, and Lake La Biche. The army arrived in Edmonton and declared martial law. Laurent Gourneau and Benjamin Vandal, Metis and Edmonton, ignored the order to go into the fort for protection against the Cree, knowing that they weren't violent. They were arrested and sentenced to death the next morning. Not following oh, orders. Yeah, yeah. But it was overturned and they were held in custody until the war was over. Middleton continued to drill his men. He also received new weapons. Two Gatling guns. Holy they shit. They tried them out on some ducks, but now they wanted to try it out on some Metis. Well, if you're trying to Gatling gun out on ducks, <laughs> I guarantee those ducks got out on skating. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yep. Like... like they shot a Gatling gun at some water and ducks flew away. <laughs> yeah. Like. That's why the Matisse dubbed the gun rubber bow, a term they used to this day meaning something useless. <laughs> yep. Well, to to a point, it's like, uh, like, uh, long ago this year, we did the, uh, little bighorn thing and, uh, Custer, like, didn't want to take Gatling guns. Yeah, because they were pointless, because the people that were trained to use them never actually got trained to use them. 
and they were slow to haul, like, and took a shitload of ammo. So, and there's a bunch of, like, uh, it's generally, like, right-wing historians, like, well, of course we just had fucking Gallagher's and fucking, like, Greasy Grass. Oh, everything had been different. Like, well, no, because it's still, like, dragging, like, banging wheels. And it's, it, yeah. Not worth it. Uh, Not uh, worth it. Nope. The final battle was at Batoche, May 9th to 12th, 1885. Middleton divided his forces, one on the water, one by land. And he put his two Gatling guns on the boat with 31 soldiers on the SS Northcoat. They put up mattresses and plywood Ooh, on the steamer. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so they put up mattresses and plywood on the steamer for protection. And a billiards table and a washing machine. Yeah, fuck off. So they're well defended. Y'all ain't fucking soldiers. <laughs> so the Northcoat arrived in Batoche before the land force got there and it started firing at the women and children. Yeah. Uh, this pissed off the Metis because it was obvious that there was no men in there. Yeah. Y'all ain't fucking soldiers. <laughs> so basically, the woman ran out of range and no one was hurt. The Metis then took the North Coat out of action. Uh, there was a cable ferry at Batoche. The Metis lowered the cable and took off the steamship's smokestack, disabling it. The ship careened for three miles and then beached itself at a, probably a blistering five miles an hour. Yeah. Then the Metis took pot shots on anyone who would come out on deck. So basically, they had to hide in the boat. <laughs> I'm waiting for like uh, like speed 15, like the wreck of uh, what are the fuck? Like, the wreck of the cable ferry. Viewers. Right. <laughs> the Metis then regrouped to face the land group of Middletons. Uh, Middleton had the Metis outnumbered four to one, but the Metis started shooting from two houses. Uh, they were quickly destroyed by cannon, but nobody nobody was hurt. <laughs> That's impressive. The army tried to break through, but failed. The Metis tried to capture the Gatling gun, but failed. Billton built a defensive enclosure and hunkered down in it. And the Metis continued to fire in, into it all night long. Next two days, the fighting continued. The Metis used every trick they could. They put hats on the end of their rifles and lifted them up to draw fire. Always a good move. By May 12th, there was less than 60 Metis fighting. And only 40 or so had rifles. Others had shotguns. Uh, the soldiers advanced and the Metis firing slowed. Uh, the Metis were running out of ammo and Middleton knew it. Uh, basically, he was tipped off by one of the priests. God bless the priests. Uh, the, me uh, the women melted down anything they could for bullets. Men were using nails and spent bullets. 14 Metis died at Batoche, maybe 20 or so wounded. The Metis fled after running out of ammo. They went into the Minitonis Hills, 18 miles away, leaving everything. They hid for three days. They had no food. Many were sick or injured. They decided to either try to escape or to the U.S. or surrender to Middleton. The soldiers looted the town, burned to destroyed farms, stole a church bell, which ended up in Ontario as a trophy of war. Uh, it was finally returned 100 years later. After Batoche, many Matis fled south across the border. Some surrendered and some simply went home to see if they'd be arrested later. Uh, the Metis leaders. Let me figure out if they're be arrested later. <laughs> the, uh, the leaders who stayed were all arrested. Some who surrendered began to work for the soldiers. 
Uh, Dumont went to Turtle Mountain, then toured with Buffalo Bill for a little while, was doing trick shots with Annie Oakley. Whoa! So, uh, yeah. yeah. The Métis were mad at the priest for undermining them during the battle, and the priest blamed Briel for the bad blood, said he was an agent for Satan for riling up the Métis. Three days after the battle, Riel walked up to his soldier, introduced himself, and surrendered. He hoped his surrender would make it easier on the others. Uh, his wife was sick with consumption. She was also pregnant and had two small children. Oh, Jesus. The prisoners were taken to Regina, 24 of them. And on July 6, 1885, Riel was charged with high treason. The best kind of treason. So is Riel's uh, family, like his kids and wife, are still back in like Montana at this point? Or are they up in Canada uh, with him? Yeah, his brother picked him up and took him somewhere. His lawyers decide on an insanity defense, whether Riel liked it or not. Oh, shit, Cypress Hill back again. He's insane. <laughs> so McDonald and the government charged Riel with a statute from 1351. <laughs> uh, basically, they wanted him hang no matter what. The judge didn't even speak French. He's a a witch, and he's been casting fire spells on the city of fucking Babylon. Which, as you know, is uh, illegal. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So Riel's lawyers were well-respected, but they're also hired by Quebecers, who were loyal Ah. to the church, who was now against Riel. Okay, here's the point in the podcast where... Tony, have you watched Letterkenny? A little bit, yeah. Fuck you. I've seen season one through not, three, but that's about not it. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Uh, like, uh, Will, have you watched Larry Kenny? I watched the first episode. Fuck off. <laughs> not enough. All right, we're pop- you don't know about Canada. We're stopping, we're stopping the show right now. Me and Will are going to go watch all the episodes of Letter Kenny. We'll come back and finish this episode. Riel wanted to make the case for Metis Rice uh, rights as his case, but nobody would let that happen. Even his own yeah, lawyers. It shouldn't be just like uh, people or people, whether they be Metis or French or fucking English. Like it just should be like I don't know. Controversial phrase: human fucking rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the jury found Riel guilty, but they recommended clemency though. Parliament confirmed Riel's sanity and rejected the jury's plea for clemency. So guess what? You're fucked. Uh, Thousands petitioned the government about Riel. The Orangemen immediately demanded the sentence be carried out and clemency refused. I I still love the name Orangemen. (laughs) But most petitioned to ask for clemency. Some came from France, Great Britain, the United States, uh, all over the place. But Riel was to be hanged November 16th, 1885 in Regina. He made no speeches. He simply prayed. Comparisons with John Brown um, arose immediately. Yeah, well, um, it's not dissimilar, is it? Mm. Nope. The Metis did not die along with Riel. Within two years, they were forming a new organization. Through a script system, the Metis were cheated out of their lands. It took decades. Virtually all Metis ended up with no land. A lot of Métis didn't know if they were American or Canadian. 
The Turtle Mountain Reservation could be seen as a Métis community today. That's kind of where they ended up. Well, I mean, that's awesome, but at the same time, like, why the fuck do they have to go through that and just not just be, yeah. People. After Batoche, uh, the Métis went into hiding. It called it Le Grand Silence. The buffalo were gone. Railroads and steamers now pushed through, basically negating all the freighting jobs that they once held. They began to live in large tent camps outside New Prairie towns, and this scared the living daylights of the new settlers. Yes, because, like, we must go to church every Sunday, and, like, uh, man, my job at the sawmill requires me to uh, make sure, like, nothing out of the ordinary happens, and fuck off. So they were basically harassed by the Mounties. It was until the 1890s at the urging of priests that the first Metis Reserve was finally established. It was called St. Paul de Matisse. The priests wanted a bigger and better uh, class of French Catholics. So the priests proposed to the government that the reserve be disbanded in 1908. So now even the, the, the French Catholics are, are against them now. So even the church were making deals with land speculators and using intimidation tactics to drive the Matisse off their land. 1902, a collection was taken up for the Matisse by the church. Uh, the Métis didn't see any of that money, and the land scheme was exposed, but the Métis didn't get any of their lands back, the fuck and they us. fled further north. Man. Jesus Will, fucking Christ. That is so shocking. I, I didn't see that coming. Like it, It's like a punch in the face. It's so, then so I didn't even that. yeah get into the abuse of the 20th century, but that's out of our purview, so... Jesus yeah. fucking Christ, man. I mean, you, you give us a little, like, whisper of it. They still got fucked over. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. True. Well, that... Okay, so that's why I was looking up a picture of uh, Louis Riel to kind of put a face to the story. And um, apparently in Manitoba, there's a Louis Riel day. Well, good. It always falls on a Monday. It, it must be, like, the th- like the third Monday of, of February or something like that, because it's... Last year is Monday, February 15th. Um... Uh, maybe second Monday of every February, I guess. I don't know. And then next year, it's the 20th. This year, it's the 21st. Is there a 5K? <laughs> I don't know. It just It's a, it, it's straight up a day in Manitoba where it's like everything's closed and everybody stays home, you know? So that's well, neat. Fucking awesome. Yeah. So Canada is just as bad as the United States in some, some instances. Yeah, well, and that's <laughs> it. well, in in a lot of ways, Canada used to be very worse than the United States, and then we, you know, being the United States, made a way to surpass that. So, but, yeah, <laughs> nobody's getting that's, one over on us. Well, that's all I got, I guess. Holy shit, man! Fucking sorry, it was pretty dense trying to explain a whole whole it's population of people be, in an hour. It'd have been more fun doing it in fucking live thing, but you know this. This fucking thing is full of plague and shit, mm-hmm. you know. No, it's it's good to finally learn about the Matisse people, because we've talked about them, and you've kind of tacitly gave me a quick, like, these people are, it's complicated, we'll do a whole episode later. I'm, it's cool to finally get a whole episode, and I didn't realize they had such a fucking plight. I, I, I will say this about the uh, uh, North Dakota, like, public edu- educational system in the 80s when I was in, like, grade school. Mm-hmm. Like, we at least learned about them. Yeah. But they kind of like disappeared from the curriculum. Like, yeah, it's good to know more about that. Totally, yeah, and um, yeah, and that's the thing is, like, once again, like, well, as long as you're not whole white, 
you get fucked. Yep. That's how that works. Because that was, that was kind of the thing. Like, oh, yeah, well, we really need to sell, sell us your buffalo meat. I'm sorry you're selling to other people. Like, uh, but you, I, I just make a lot. You can't do that again. Yeah. Fucking yeah. bullshit, man. Fuck. Well, it's good to know that our friends in the North uh, have similar bullshit histories. The United States, we're not the only ones. Well, it's it's the same place, mm-hmm. just like just imaginary line down the middle. Okay, can we tell the people a thing? What's that? Like Tony, Tony got like cloistered for like uh, a testing positive, and then his like Adam Smasher died. Yep. And then also his laptop died. Yep, then my laptop died right after that. So then I had to, like, rebuild yeah. my Atom Smasher from its but, own filth. Well, lucky, luckily for you, you got the parts for the Atom Smasher. Yep. So nope. that's why we're able to do this today. That's why I always carry... That's why I always have a junk closet everywhere I live. So there's always parts. You well, can you can hobble some shit together and make it work. Well, <sighs> I'd like to celebrate been playing some Red Alert, like, hour from now. Yeah, that sounds good. I can yeah. make that happen. All right. Okay, so to be able to facilitate that, I'm going to have to go out in a hail of gunfire. I made love to Vancouver and I French kissed Montreal. I fell real hard for the cliffs of Capertown But only Regina can make me beg and moan Like a magnet to Regina, I am drawn I love Regina, I love Regina I love Regina, Saskatchewan I love Regina Regina, I love Regina, oh, Saskatchewan. 